0: Welcome to the WP Builds Podcast, bringing you the latest news from the WordPress community. Now, welcome your hosts, David Wormsley and Nathan Wrigley. Hello there, hello there, wherever you are. Welcome once again to the WP Builds Podcast. This is episode number 97, entitled What is Cold Calling? And should I be doing it? It was published on the 11th of October 2018. My name's Nathan Wrigley from pictureandword.co.uk, a small web development agency based in the north of England, and I'll be joined a little bit later by David Wormsley from davidwormsley.com because we're having a discussion episode. We've decided that occasionally when we have these discussions, as we did a few weeks ago with Paul Lacey, that we're going to invite a guest on who knows more than we do, which is just about everybody, about a particular subject. And today, because we're doing about cold calling, and David knows more than I do, and I know very, very little, we have got Jim Galliano from the United States on because he knows his way around marketing and cold calling and all of that stuff. So he's worth listening to. But that comes later. Please, 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 if you're feeling generous, go over to the WPBuilds.com website. And if you find the podcast player and you click on the iTunes button underneath it, you'll find yourself on iTunes, surprisingly. And very much appreciate it if you take the time to write us a review and give us five stars, dare I say it. If you think it's worth it, that would be great. Whole load of things going on on wpbuilds.com at the moment. If you go to the website, there's a subscribe link at the top and you can subscribe to us. There's all sorts of channels that we're trying to get people involved in. We've got a very large Facebook group now. We've got a Slack channel, which basically is just for notifications. There's not a lot going on in there. And also, if you use Facebook Messenger, you go to that page and you can click a button and you can be notified when we've got new episodes on Facebook Messenger. Also, we've got a YouTube channel and all we do there really is repost all of this stuff in video form, so yeah, go to that. We've got a webinar coming up tomorrow. If you're listening to this on the day this came out, we have a webinar tomorrow with Tom Carlos from Beaver Team Pro. He's going to be showing us how you can use his Beaver Team Pro plugin along with Beaver Builder to speed up your workflow, which is really nice. If you go to wpbuilds.com forward slash deals, there's a whole bunch of deals on things like Erin Flynn's courses, Beaver Team Pro, as I've just mentioned, main WP, Block Party, Blog Vault, Malka, Toolset, and so on. Remember us if you're trying to get those particular plugins, that's great. Also, we have a giveaway. We've got a, a, a regular giveaway, and then we've got what well, I'm going to call it an irregular giveaway. Our regular giveaway is two lifetime licenses for WP Ultimo. Um, That's a plugin which enables you to use WordPress multi-site to create a turnkey network of your own. That's running for a few more days until next week, the 17th of October. And then also if you go over to wpbuilds.com forward slash 100, we're celebrating the impending arrival of our episode 100 with what I can only describe as a quite good giveaway. We've got I actually don't know how many but it's somewhere in the region of about 180 plus things on offer. Uh I mean literally everything beaver builder, elementor, acf, loads of courses, uh, beaver funnels, elementor pro, should I say, client portal, missing letter, woopack, double uh Ultimate add-ons for Beaver Builder, Facet W. Honestly, honestly, the list just goes on and on. I'm about halfway through it. No, not even about a quarter of the way through it. Everything's in there. So go and check it out. Seriously, give yourself a chance. I think you've got a fighting chance of winning something if you go for this. Um, And share it all over the place and increase your chances. I would really appreciate that. So that's great. So there we go. That's all my stuff, my usual housekeeping. I will just say thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. Uh, for joining us again on the WP Builds podcast. Really appreciate it. Stick around and enjoy David and Jim Galliano talking about marketing. And you'll also have to put up with me interrupting from time to time as well.
1: (laughs) Okay. Bye-bye. In this discussion we're turning our attention to marketing our businesses specifically today we're going to be talking about cold calling and as Nathan and I really don't have the marketing chops we've invited our friend and former guest Jim Galliano from jimgalliano.com and if you've not checked out Jim's blog and podcasts, we both highly recommend it. Mm. Uh, Nathan, don't you think that Jim has a, a brilliant talent for assessing the state of our industry?
0: Yeah, I really do. Jim's, I think it's fair to say, very recently just been like production gone through the roof over the last <laughs> few months. Mm. Um, and it was ever really it was when we spoke on the podcast that I started to read your stuff and listen to your stuff. And I've also heard a lot of people recommending you outside of our group or, you know, in Facebook groups and so on. So, yes, I think Jim is is the man for this ch- task. <laughs> Bungie, we've asked Jim on, but Jim,
1: have you done any cold calling?
2: Uh, yes, I have. Um, literal cold calling with a telephone. Uh, back in the day, I worked as a telemarketer. Uh, probably from about the age of 17 to about 21. So I had experience doing that. And, uh, oh, by the way, thank you guys for the, uh, for that great intro. <laughs> um, you know, I wasn't aware any of that was happening, but, uh, except in little drips here and there, people mm. would talk to me, mm. but, um, yeah, I mean, cold calling is, is something that I got dropped into, uh, because I needed a job and, yeah. I was one of those kids that, if the going got tough, I got going. So between the ages of about 17 and 21, I had almost 20 jobs. So if you do the math, I mean, that's that's quite a bit. Mm, yeah. So when I finally landed at a telemarketing agency, uh, making outgoing cold calls, basically it was put to me that you're going to keep this job, or uh, you're going to... <laughs> something not good is going to happen. So, you know, I sat down and I was nervous and the person told me, the person on the other end of the phone isn't going to eat you. Uh, The worst they can do is holler some obscenities at you and slam the phone down on you and then you're on to the next person. And back then they didn't have the rollover systems. You literally just had a phone in front of you with a wire going into the wall and you would pick up the receiver and dial the number. And uh, I, at least it had the push buttons. It wasn't like the <laughs> – wasn't that far back. And, um, and there would be a script in front of me, on the in front of my desk that I would read from. And I would feel heat coming up through my neck into my face like I was standing in front of a group of people. Mm-hmm. And I would hear my voice like you hear when you're doing a podcast. And I would feel it shake or rattle a little bit. Um, and, and I didn't want that to happen, but it happened anyway. Mm. And the more I did it, the less it happened. And when you're following a script, it's usually not in the words that you yourself would choose if you were just selling that item or that service, uh, a hundred percent on your own. Mm. It's not in your voice. It's not your style. But I realized at the time that I wasn't a salesperson. So how could I evaluate <laughs> that script? Um, and I was told that you you stick with the script or you're fired. You don't deviate from the script Wow! and you don't ask any questions. You just do it. And what would happen is we would do this for an hour and then they'd have like a five or six minute break. And during those breaks, people would be fired. Wow. And so I was worried that I was going to be, you know, disappearing after one of those breaks. And I, the woman had pity on me, I think that ran the room because she came over to me and she said, just relax. I know you're new. This script has been tested before. Just relax and let the script do the selling for you. And I did. And soon I became, what I mean by soon is within a matter of weeks, I became probably about the, within the top three sellers. Uh, in the room so that was my original experience with cold calling
1: wow that's unexpected so have you transferred those skills to trying to sell web services or marketing
2: Uh, yes I have but not by phone Um, I've exchanged email and video for the phone Mm -hmm. And what happened is when I started getting into the consulting business, I was trying to impart this uh, information over to other people. But the the tough thing and, and what you can do, at least when you're consulting with somebody, is you're kind of sort of looking over their shoulder. You're not actually there, but it's the encouragement part because it's like anything else we do in life. The first time we do it, we usually fail miserably at it. It doesn't come out right. and if we get too introspective in the beginning and that discouragement overwhelms us, then we find a reason to walk away or not do it or, or convince ourselves that we can't do it. I was fortunate enough to have somebody who was giving me little encouragement pushes, kind of like the baby that takes one or two steps but then falls. Nobody mm-hmm. cares about the fall. it's You just took the one or two steps. That's really great. And so I would try and do that with the people I was working with. But the thing is, When you create a script, again, it's not, it's almost like you're, it would be like me trying to talk in a British accent. It's not going to sound (laughs) real, authentic the first or second time, or you trying to speak in an American accent, you're going to slip, you know, and, and, and some words are going to come out and they're going to say, Oh, that's, that's not American. He's not American, you know, and, and you feel like you're, you're an imposter. So it's a matter of repetition and it's that's that's the key to it you do it and you do it and you do it until you become more confident with it with the just harking back to what you were
0: saying a minute ago about the following this script in this cold calling center did you
2: ever deviate from the script or did genuinely did the script work the script worked man but yeah. once it started once i had confidence the it was the tone of my voice mm and the inflection on the words that caused people to either listen or disconnect Mm. all things being equal if the person wasn't in the market for that item then the script wasn't magical Mm. it's just like anything else but if the person had a mile to high interest in it the script could push them towards that final decision where they would make the sale where they would give their credit card number Mm. so There was that, but what I found is, after I started making sales using the script, I started deviating in little sections. And they allowed me to because I already had proven that I could do it by sticking with Mm -hmm. each point, Mm -hmm. exactly. But I started injecting little personality tweaks here and there, and then it was really able to flow because I was able to do it within my own personality. Mm. It genuinely became my sales pitch at that point. Uh, Nathan. I'm oh, sorry. I
1: was gonna ask you a question. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you, you know, in the early days, have you used any cold calling methods at all to get uh, business?
0: Do you know what? I have I've listened to a lot of people talking about cold calling. I've never, ever picked up the phone and done cold calling. I'm I'm really beguiled by the idea of kind of email marketing and using all sorts of services and scraping Google Maps and all of that kind of stuff to see if you can find businesses in your local area. But the truth is, as I was saying to you before we began this, I'm not really the expert on this one by any stretch because no, I just haven't. And I think, just listening to Jim there, Jim you you just sound different to me you exude a sort of conf- a certain confidence which I don't think I have and you said that you know you'd had the cr- heat creeping up the back of your neck and all that I <laughs> I honestly believe that if I was in that room I would have collapsed and become a mess of liquid on the floor Um, I just I do not believe I have it in me I I would be terrified I would be frightened I would I would almost beyond the like almost angry a bit I don't think that's the right word but all of those things because it just doesn't suit my personality and I I have once worked in a call center but this was not I wasn't phoning out I was receiving calls and it was selling um, holidays so it was airline flights and this kind of thing I didn't last for more than a few weeks I could see that there were people around there who lived and breathed it and who could turn the exact same person as I was getting. It was completely random. I didn't get, a, a, you know, um, somebody didn't phone up and get through to me. They got randomly assigned to me by a computer. And there was people sitting next to me who were just turning everything into a sale. I turned nothing into a sale, <laughs> you know. All I ended up just doing support. Because it became obvious that I was just pretty rubbish at sales. So in answer to your question, David, no, I've really <laughs> never done this. And I feel so impressed by people that can do it. But I do believe there's a certain personality um, trait that you either have to be willing to get at the point of education. Or I also believe that some people are just born with this stuff. Yes.
1: You do see a lot of people talking about how to get work. And we talk about, we've talked already on the podcast about the referral, which is what most people get. But Mm -hmm. for new people starting, you know, cold calling has got to be some kind of option, either email or
0: visiting people. 100% I agree. I I think it must be harder than ever if you've got no uh, clients that are recommending you or no heritage. That must be really, really a, a, a required skill.
1: What about those? You know, those people like Hibu, the Yellow Pages, are also known as. I think that's their branch that do websites. I mean, they they literally employ a sales team that go round to businesses, and I think they make an initial call with an email. If they get, and I think they'll turn up at their workplace and pitch the services, and and they're very successful. I think their sales team at getting work in. The result of that is not always what people are happy with. But I think they pay their sales team really well to do that.
0: Mm. I, I'm sure you're right. And you, you the, the money talks. And if those sales teams didn't generate more money than they cost, you can be sure they wouldn't be around. Um, I, I just wonder, Jim, you were taking, talking about the fact that it, that was in your past now and you, you no longer use the phone as a, as a technique for acquiring people. I'm wondering if you've got any top tips because now although the cost of spraying out emails is significantly lower than the cost of phoning people up one at a time I also imagine that it's much much harder especially now that we've had email for 20 years or so and we're all getting a little bit fed up with seeing our inbox what are the what are the things that you do to impress upon the people that receive your email that this is one I should open what what language are you using what what
2: techniques um are you adopting well this is something that i've actually changed just this year because what worked well for me last year 2017 is no longer working as well this year in 2018. wow even with referrals so um for example in the past somebody might introduce me to a friend of theirs who was looking for the type of services um, that i offer and they would cc all of us in an email do an email introduction, and then basically the conversation would branch off into the two of us talking, which would lead to a meeting, which would lead to a signed contract, which would lead to a new client. So when it came to cold calling, what I decided to do was, and this, again, we're talking back in 2017, I would uh, contact somebody via email. So usually this is somebody that uh, somebody else made me aware of a friend or an existing client, and I would mention that in the email. So, as far as subject lines go, the first thing that somebody sees before they decide whether to open it or delete it, I really didn't have a formula because, again, when I looked at the formulas for creating um, killer subject lines like we call them here in america right killer subject lines <laughs> when i when i looked at i hate that word but yeah anyway. it sends the <laughs> wrong message to me that's for sure um oh, or that subject line is sick i mean you know we've been talking. <laughs> it's equally bad <laughs> <laughs> um I, none of the the templates really it seemed robotic to me and i realized that every time that you're trying to do something that you haven't done before usually take a robotic approach, but then you have to work through that stiffness again until you're flowing with it. So I couldn't get flowing with any subject lines. So what I just decided to do was write subject lines like I would write to friends. Hmm. Now, I would like to give you an example, but none of them are coming to mind. Possibly if we did this podcast an hour later, one would, but (laughs) (laughs) I'm stuck for that one. Um, I don't think about writing subject lines to friends um, in depth. I just, whatever's on my mind, whatever's on my heart, I'll put it in there. Usually just a few words. And I started doing that with these people that I was trying to contact for the first time. So it's a cold email to somebody. I do a quick introduction. Hi, my name is Jim. Um, I know about your business from so-and-so. And then what i would do is i would create a short video what i mean by short video is under two minutes Mm -hmm. and in that video i would go over the person's website with some ideas and invite them to continue the conversation uh, with me what a great idea i had tremendous uh success doing that because Number one, people are used to getting long emails that have all of this persuasive language uh, in it. Mm -hmm. And as I was starting to talk to some of the old timers, uh, people my age and older, um, who were doing direct marketing back in the 80s, they were telling me that the style of Internet marketing as it is today, that wasn't done at all that way back in the 80s and in the 70s. It's Mm -hmm. Some people call it yuck marketing. You know, it's mm. that aggressive, pushy, let's persuade people to do what we want them to do. Let's use things like um, you know, you got to respond by Wednesday at 8 o'clock or something like that, or it's only for the first 20 people. I'm not saying that there's anything evil about doing it that way. I'm just saying that it's hyper in that mode, in that flavor. That's mm. the way marketing is today, which is why so many people are turned off by it. And what they were telling me was you don't have to use any of those techniques to be successful and what i started realizing at that point was that this is why some people are keeping a distance between um, themselves and aggressively marketing because they believe they have to go down this path it's a path that they don't believe in that they don't feel good about doing and we don't stick with things we don't feel good about doing so I scrapped all of that language for my outgoing emails to the people. I put a genuine uh, short video together, and I'm enthusiastic about helping people um, in this business. And so it would come through in my videos because I wasn't acting and I wasn't trying to be persuasive. Mm. The only element that was missing from this uh, approach was asking them to take the next step. That's the only mistake I made when I first started doing it. In other words, I would talk and then I kind of would just trail off and hope they would respond.
0: Uh, which yeah, which I guess you amended at some point in the future.
2: Yeah, it's, it can be very simple. Is uh, uh, Please give me a call if this is something uh, that I can help you with. Something as simple as that. When you were because doing people, these,
0: sorry, you carry on.
2: Well, people aren't used to that. They're used to the aggressiveness. That's mm. all I'm saying. So mm. when you're not aggressive and you're happy and you're friendly mm. and you're real, you stand out just by being that way.
0: Mm. Go ahead.
2: Well, I was going to say
0: when you were making these videos, um I don't know if you work particularly with people, let's say within a geographical area or within a particular niche or so on. But do you do you deliberately target the low-hanging fruit if you know what I mean? Would you perhaps do a Google search, let's say your niche is doctors. You you do a search for doctors, go and look for sites. And then would you find the sites where there was the most that was broken, if you like, or where the the fix was self-evident and and then email those in some kind of order of badness in inverted commas?
2: Yeah, that's the perfect way right there.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, So, I mean, and then draw, would you draw attention within that video to here's what a modern site looks like and here's what your site looks like? Or do you just say, look, this site that you've got going on at the minute is letting you down. Um, are you talking? <laughs> do, you, do you use language like that to sort of illustrate to them that, that they could be making more sales from the website, or are you you're just going from an aesthetic point of view? It's not looking very good. The design doesn't work, and so on.
2: Um, basically, I, I tell them what their site can do and give them examples of people that are doing it. Mm. But what I, see design is a tough thing. Okay, so let's say the three of us get together for lunch and I'm wearing an ugly shirt, mm-hmm. but I like the shirt and both of you think it's ugly, but you don't mm-hmm. want to tell me what, what made me pick that shirt out mm-hmm. because you don't want to offend me, right? <laughs> I mean, think about things you get for a holiday gift and you take it out <laughs> and you look at it and you say, oh my God, I would never buy that. <laughs> so what do you do? You smile and you say, thank you. Yeah, or you somebody did. puts a, a plate of food in front of you and you don't like that food. Mm-hmm. i remember once going to a friend's house and for dessert they had um carrot cake and and carrot cake is something that i could you know they'd serve me in a chinese prison i just can't eat it and so I, i i just choked it down i probably drank a gallon of water to get the one slice down push it down and guess because I smiled and lied and said that it, hey, it tasted this is really good. I guess what was there the next time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, more carrot cake. So, you know, I'm looking at somebody's website and they might think, you know, hey, this is this is a cool looking site. You yes. know who yes. wouldn't like that that yes. skeleton up in the left hand yeah. corner? <laughs> you know? And so I don't want to insult their design, but what I want to do is let them know there's opportunities to get new clients. And I talk about it from a value standpoint. So for example, how much is each uh, average sale um, that you do in this business? What does it amount to? What's what's the bottom? What's the top? What's the average? So if we could up those sales by changing your site, say another 10%, what would that do to the bottom line? Mm -hmm. I just throw 10% out there. You know, Mm -hmm. it's It's but if I say fifty percent, maybe it's not believable. I I use something that's a low hanging number that somebody could they won't choke on. Mm. So hmm, what would that come to? So now they're they're looking at their website in a different from a different standpoint. They're not looking at it from it as an aesthetic thing or they're not looking at it as from color scheme. And all those things are important. I don't want to minimize any of them. But as a business owner, they're not a designer, they're not a web developer. And they're a transaction-minded person. They're a bottom-line-minded person. So I connect what we can do to a number or a potential number, and then they see the value in it. Mm. So if you want to charge $100 a month for a maintenance plan, then the maintenance has to include something that could increase the number that their business is generating Mm. every month. And then it becomes doable, or else somebody would say, Well, I would never pay $30 a month for web hosting when I can get it for $7 Mm -hmm. or I would never, you know what I'm saying? That kind of thinking. So you wipe all that off the table and you put it in a different context. So Mm -hmm. I don't want to hide the conversation, but there's one thing I want to throw out there before we're done. It's called backward planning. So whenever you're ready to hear it, just let me know and I'll I'll throw it out there. Go for it. You ready? I'm ready. All right. So I had this business colleague, retired special ops, talking about backward planning a decade ago. So he explained how it worked, explained how it worked in his business, and mentally, I'm listening to him, and I'm picturing myself doing this. Going, I'm backward planning in my mind. Difference between backward planning and forward planning is exactly like it sounds. So if we wanted to build something, we might say, okay, what do we need to do? We need to get a domain name. We need to install WordPress. We need to choose a theme. All the way to we have the finished product. That's forward planning. Backward planning is when you already have the finished product in your mind and you write that down on a piece of paper in a file. And then you ask yourself the question, what's the first step backwards? What happened to get to that final step? What took place? And you write that down. And then you write down what was the step that happened before that. So quickly, if we have a new client, what was the step that happened before we got the new client? Well, they signed a contract. And what was the step that happened before they signed the contract? Well, I had to answer questions. I had to address concerns. And then what happened before that, before you were able to ask the questions? Well, I had to make contact with the person. And you keep on going until you get to where you started. Right? Mm. Grounds here. What they found, they did a test on this in 2017 in South Korea. The scientists said that, and, and military has known this for years, and political campaign managers have known this for years. What they found is if you plan backwards, you activate sections of the brain that are dormant during forward planning. Hmm. Mm. And you are able to identify pitfalls and issues that are blind to you. When you do the forward planning process, interesting. Very, and so you very can apply this. You can apply this to sales, building a course, um, writing a sales art. You can do it with anything that you can think of. But it doesn't work if unless you actually put either pen to paper or start typing it out, where you can actually see it.
0: So there's some connection between like the, the the visual representation of it and the process that you're going through that kind of triggers other other aspects that you wouldn't of your brain. That you wouldn't they have... tested
2: this on groups ah. of students in controlled circumstances, atmosphere, whatever classroom. One half of the class did forward planning on the project; the other did backward planning. The results were significantly better. Fascinating. They used it with people who were stuck in certain thing, parts of their life where they couldn't, just couldn't seem to get to where they needed to, to be. Mm. They had them go through this backward planning exercise. And again, like 90% of the people experienced above average results. Do you just turn in the conversation back to kind of
0: email marketing and things like that? Do you, I suppose this is open to either of you, uh, you know, Jim, David, do you regularly send out any of these kind of emails to a list of, I mean, where do you get these lists? What's the, what's the purpose of acquiring these lists? The only, the only list that I ever send out to is the WP Builds newsletter. And that, that list has come to me through people signing up or entering competitions and so on. So I I'm, not really, I'm not really sure if I was to sit down and as a website business owner, somebody that wants to sell websites to other people, I'm not sure where I'd get these lists and how what I might write in those emails.
2: For you, Jim, that one <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Thank you. <laughs> I was just getting ready to, to see what you were going to say.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I could talk about in person a doorstep in, so I'll talk about that. But yeah, please, if you've got anything on emails, yeah.
2: All right. Well, I I use a program called Agency Ally. It just came out. It makes my job a little easier. Um. It, it, what you basically do is you put in the type of business and the zip code, and it comes with all the information. Does the person have, or are they missing all these different social media profiles, um, like uh, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, so on? Does the business have um, all these different? Are they on Yelp or are they, you know, it, it just pulls all this information in all mm-hmm. the stuff that you can do manually, mm-hmm. and uh, and I do it by zip code and I do it by area city, town, state, you can do it like that. Mm -hmm. And I always go for the closest first. And that's, now that's as cold as you can get. Mm -hmm. And then you go from there and you actually look at the site and um, you start putting your videos together. Now somebody may say, I got to put these videos together. Isn't that time consuming? Well, there are other options. You can spend money and put ads there and you know, you're going to have to run that ad probably several months before you even know if the ad's any good or not, because people have ad blindness and it oh, takes like, 15, it takes like 13 impressions. Do you want to put that money into a 13 impression per person campaign, which is going to take months and months and months on average, or you want to take a few minutes and put a video together for somebody mm. and upload it as unlisted to YouTube and then do it again. So whether you do one at a time or you take a whole day and you put them all out, I don't have um it just depends on what's happening in the day. I don't have a formula. Uh, it it kind for
0: doing of that. it kind of speaks to though a um a, a bit of a change which is going on at the moment where all the things are becoming automatable if that's a word. Uh, everything can be scraped, everything can be merge tagged, every email list can attempt to make it sound as Personal as possible with spinning of the words and so on and so forth. But um, what you're advocating there is I- exactly the opposite. It's very time consuming. It's, you know, it's one at a time, uh, but it's very personal. And, and I know for me, I would be genuinely surprised if I got one of those emails from you. Uh, if I was to open it up and see a video and you actually said my name. The first thing, the, honestly, my first reaction would be to stare at the screen and figure out, is that fake? <laughs> um and just think is that some look is that a robot it does that gym is he some sort of artificial intelligence animation tool that i just have never heard of and then of course <laughs> you would figure out in you know it would be pretty blooming obvious when there was you just talking in natural voice and i i would sit up and take a lot of notice of that um I noticed that there's a tool around at the minute. It's called Bonjourno. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. B-O-N-J-R-O-R-N-O, I think it is, or J-O-N-O, I'm not sure. Um and they they kind of amalgamate both of these approaches. The idea is that you do exactly what you're doing, you make videos, but this is after they've onboarded into your whatever it is, your SaaS product or platform. So they sign up for your service and then you or buy something off your WooCommerce store. And then this service prompts you to make a video, mm. which you then do. And it supplies you with all the information that you need to say, well, hey, thanks for buying the pair of socks with WordPress written on the side. I really appreciate it. Um, and in, in a way, it kind of it's kind of going in the wrong direction again for me because it's kind of trying to automate something which isn't automatable. But I do, I do, I do so love the idea of getting a video or having a phone call. But yeah. how, how do you get them to get the, op- the email open though? How do you actually, what's the line that you use? And I know you said you're very, you don't think about that a lot. You just write it out. Do you find that the majority of, I don't know if you've got a way of checking, do you find that the most of these emails that you send out are actually opened or do they just sit in inboxes and those two minute videos just, you know, over time never get
2: viewed? Well, um, it, it's, you know, it's a funny thing because we don't provide a service that people are looking for every day. Mm. There's a window that opens and there's a window that closes when somebody needs this kind of service done. And so you never know where people are. They could be six months away from it yeah. or they could be three months past it and they don't need it and you have no idea. So the, the subject line in that, in that sense and the video aren't the only factors in the process timing is a big thing mm. this is where another element comes in that i've thought about doing but i'm kind of lazy um i'm not lazy but i mean i can only spread myself so so thin and i like to do a lot of this work myself instead of having uh help do it because you know the people are doing business with me they want to talk to me they don't want to talk to somebody else. And, um, and what that is is to create a local newsletter, local business newsletter, or a local business podcast or a local business uh, YouTube channel in which you provide some kind of local digital help information to people who might be clients of yours three months from now, six months from now, a year from now. And what that does is once the initial contact has happened through that short email, then there's ongoing emails like – and I'm talking about like once a month, not every other day or anything like that – where you offer some helpful, valuable, um, short content to local business owners. So when the decision time comes around again, you're the local – I mean, you're you're the obvious choice Mm. because – You've built familiarity, and and that's the the issue. Unless you're in this business, we're so close to it, we know a lot of people. Average business person doesn't know anyone who does it, and people in this industry, for the most part, really aren't that reliable, because if they can't make it, they move on to something else. And so you got a lot of people that had a website developed three years ago, they can't find this person again, or they can't get them to answer or return calls. So that's the solution that I would have for that to do some kind of local, um, product or uh, content creation Mm -hmm. and make yourself not invisible in your local area. So is it a perfect solution? No, because obviously. You have to do the work and you have to invest the time in doing it, but um, it's the best that I've found in a practical sense. Mm.
0: David, what were you saying you were going to input there? You Mm. were talking about your actual doorstepping and walking around on the streets.
1: Yeah, well, I used to do this. Well, for 15 years, I was working for an organization, government organization, who weren't selling anything, but we were doorstepping to give, ask whole families to give up hours, sometimes weeks of their time. And the organization used to pay us to do this, but they were selected randomly, but we had to go by doorstepping, which was very expensive across the whole of the country. Because, email, e, well, emails weren't really used then, but letters didn't work, telephones weren't working, and we had much more of a success rate by turning up in person. But I think some of the things that Jim was saying, I, I mean, I learned some things I could share with you from my experience there, because I, I started as a small job doing the door knocking, and I was so bad at it that I've (laughs) made cold calling kind of my thing. I even gave up the study I was planning to do and then became a manager or trainer for the company. But I learned some things I think that just were uh, kind of essentials. And they were, if you were making that contact, you never go in being apologetic. So when people used to, and I'm sure Hibu do this kind of thing. I'm sure they find an industrial estate where there's lots of businesses that maybe need websites. So they've checked them out, sent a letter ahead, and then turn up and, and make that contact. So it would be never to be apologetic because I always put you on the back foot. And it, and most of this trying to get a conversation with somebody is about not being on the back foot and not trying to second guess what somebody might be thinking about you, which is, a I think, a mistake with real cold calling that people do. And something I learned with it is I had to get comfortable because not being apologetic was difficult enough, but I had to get comfortable with leaving silence. So you'd put something forward and then wait. And and when people stare you out a little bit, because they're not sure who you are, there's a tendency to go and just jump in and start talking. But you always used to find if you just wait, they would say something to you. And from that conversation, you'd be able to address whatever it was they said. So it was a really interesting, just that door-stepping thing, making that first contact, because what used to throw nearly all of the people that I worked with was the, I'm not interested. Not interested, mate. <laughs> <laughs> no one knew how to come back from that, you know, as soon as you t- appeared. But it's a really interesting, because even that one is one of the easiest ones to turn around, because you just you almost pretend it didn't happen what you do is you just turn that round for a request for why are you intruding on them so you just say oh you might apologize at that point and said oh I should explain why I'm here and what that and and you just go on and continue with it and then wait for them to come back and what i found with the cold calling it was just a case of going against some of your instincts some of the fears that you might have about how people would perceive you in order to just get a small conversation Uh, Going on a level Mm. Uh, You know, so I I I think if I was doing this now and I still might do it You know if I would do the same thing that our organization did effectively to call people They would send a letter because there's a reason for it in our case. It was a government survey But in this case, it would be we saw your website and we think you know You might be able to do get something better out of it and then I would probably if I could Uh, Try and make those um, appointments with people or just turn up at their offices and and doorstep because I Think once you've learned those skills, and maybe they're in the videos that uh, Jim does as well. Do you ever Any of those do they resonate with you Jim at all about not being apologetic or? or
2: Which it's different because I I don't really see them So, Mm -hmm. you know, I send the information out. It's kind of like when you drop the line in the water you don't really know if there's a fish close to it until it bites or if the fish is looking at it and saying, oh, I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to get that. But, um, yeah, I mean, in the back of my mind, sometimes I'm worrying that, you know, I just intruded on somebody and, and I should have done it differently. All of those thoughts come because you don't actually see the person. And, and your mind, it's, it's incredible how often we're wrong mm-hmm. as far as our perception of yeah. things go. Do you know there was
1: something really interesting that used to happen with our job is the fact that there was a little cheat that some of us <laughs> i shouldn't have said that perhaps had uh, did which was if the office had sent out a letter and they rung in to refuse to them early on before we were to turn up we could choose to ignore that they'd refused and we'd always find that if you did that those people who'd actually refused to see anybody would be the easiest people to convert into time Because I guess my guess is with people like that who say not interested very quickly before they know what you're talking about or that refuse, they're probably the people who are actually very helpful. And it's their only defense mechanism to stop everybody intruding in their lives.
0: That's a really good point. Yeah. And also they've taken the time to actually know Mm -hmm. who you are by writing that letter or returning it in the envelope. Yeah. They've heard of you and they know you're legit. I wonder if sometimes turning up out of the blue, my, my, suspicion drummed into me from childhood and adverts and all that kind of stuff is, you know, be a bit cautious about who's coming through the door, check their accreditation and the, that they are who they say they are. But look, I'm turning up for this appointment that I said I would turn up for, even though you told me not to come. <laughs> at least I know, at least I know you're real.
1: Yeah. The one thing I learned from all of the doorstep stepping, I mean, we would really convert, it was a big ask for a lot of people, we'd be converting, it, it would depend on where you were in the country, of course, and how busy people were, but we'd be converting 80% of people to give up hours of time. Wow. And I know it's not money. But we would do that because we would have the budget to be able to return and catch them when they're at a good time or, you know, because we would scoot off the door, not push it. If it really was clearly a bad time, we wouldn't carry on Mm. with our business and come back. But it just what I learned from all of this is that even though I could be really rude when somebody surprises me at the door, most people out there will give you some time and will be nice, you know. So I think, I think there is something in cold calling from what I've learned from my experience. As long as you can fight those being apologetic and, and be comfortable with letting somebody else talk and responding only to that very calmly, I think, mm. you know, people
0: will give you time. You see, what I was saying earlier about me being horrifically bad about this kind of endeavor is it goes to the point you've just made there. Um, mm. It was it's that I am. I think I am instinctively reluctant in that area. I've, I I find it really hard to overcome those barriers. I mean, I'm fine talking to strangers about anything, but as soon as it gets onto the subject of me telling people what I do or what I'm good at, you know, if, if I meet somebody and they ask me what I do, I just say, oh, I do websites. That's kind of where it ends. And I literally kind of like, close it down. Hmm. Um, I think that's in me. I don't know why. I need to try harder.
1: Mm-hmm. do you think it may be just the what jim said i think you i think it's what you're saying jim is the fact that uh in a way you're, you're you are actually genuinely trying to help people you've seen that they've got a problem and you could make things better for them and it, it's coming from a genuine place you just have mm-hmm. to get rid of the the potential to represent that in a sleazy way
2: <laughs> well yeah i mean it's um it's finding a way to um communicate with people that is authentic to, to you as an individual so if um, if you were teaching me how to go from door to door I think what I would ask the question I would ask is is there a way that you can help me enjoy this mm. uh, and wh- what I mean by that is not mind the the whole process not not um, is there a way let's let put it this way um, there's foods that I don't like but if they're put in a smoothie, I can I can drink it
1: <laughs> I like it <laughs> be-
2: because I can't handle the texture of certain foods. So that that's my way of getting that food in me without, you know, all the fuss that mm. just won't eat it. Um, so I would be asking you if I was going from door or needed to go from door to door. Can you help me get to that point? Is there is there something you could do
1: where you uh, feel comfortable with it?
2: Yeah, yeah. Where I can enjoy it and, and not mind the, is there little tricks that you, that you do? You know? I, think,
1: I I think that you. Know, I mean, with the staff that we had, that you really couldn't get over the hurdle if they didn't believe what they were asking people to do was of value, was the biggest hurdle. You would really very few, unless they were the exceptional people, which we know are out there, who are just born salespeople who have so much gravitas that they, they will bend anyone to their will. But if not, you have to start from that point of view that you're actually going to help people. And I think you have to, I, I think ultimately all you ever want to do in these interactions with the doorstep is not, um, it's not so much the conversion, but you do just want a moment of their time just to hear if you can help them. And that's all you want. So if you can't do that, you know, I think you can always with calmness get people and by being sympathetic to who they are mm. and be calmer. You can get them to talk to you for a little while. If they don't what you want for genuinely good reasons, then you just get out not feeling mm. bad. So, mm. I, I yeah, it's always been – I think – the interesting thing is if you get into cold calling all the time and we weren't going literally from one door to the next, we had selected addresses. So they weren't, you know, you, the neighbor wouldn't hear that they were coming to you next, you know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which was absolutely terrible. And I, you see that happening a lot. I was in London recently and there was just literally streams of people going knock door to door and you'd know yours was going to be knocked on next. But um, no, but it. I I, what I got out of it was the biggest surprise just people are nice it's just a case of being um not trying to be clever with people. A lot of salespeople, I feel, the, the worst people I used to see die were when they were built up some kind of mechanism mm. to try and be smart. So they wanted mm. to save their face so they would have defensive quips. You know, in our case, it was because we were associated with the census and people could go to jail effectively if they didn't do the <laughs> census. So people would invent these sort of things. Oh, this survey, it's not like that. You won't go to jail. It's a defensive quip which annoys people. And I, I imagine that would be the same if you try to sell website services, if you said to somebody, oh, well, are you not interested in that? You could be losing business. That would be really rubbish, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think, you know, if you just genuinely want to, you know, you call because, look, you represent this and you've seen something and it might be of interest, if you can get them just to hear you, um, then it's fine if they don't want it at all. You know, you just mm. go away feeling happy.
0: Um, I wonder if, there's a lot of people doing this work, website work, WordPress work, working in front of computers, solo freelancers and so on who kind of fit my personality trait in that they find this stuff a little bit beyond them or a little bit um, difficult to do. They they can feel their uncomfortableness levels rising as, as these moments arise. Uh, you know, if you're out cold calling or you're trying to phone people up or you're sending out emails... Um, I, I wonder if somebody like me can be educated out of it. All the things that you just said, David, made perfect sense. They, uh, they you know, you and and Jim, you're you're giving them something they want, so you can you can spin sales around on its head and make it. I'm giving them a service, and there's all these techniques mm-hmm. for opening up the conversation and keeping the conversation going and remaining silent and all that kind of stuff. Nevertheless. Um, I'm no, I'm no longer a spring chicken and still <laughs> this problem sits in me and I expect it's probably a problem which sits inside of quite a few people listening to this as well. It'd be quite yeah. interesting to but, know if it's, ed, if I could educate it out of me. Yeah.
2: Well, yeah, I, think,
1: but I think you would be brilliant. You'd be brilliant at a door stepping. Good uh, grief. Purpose. No, you would be because you're you're just right, you're calm, there's no front to it. You're not going to do any sort of clever tricks on people. You just want to have a conversation with somebody.
0: Yeah, I I think it's a fear. The the bottom line is I think I'm just scared that it's going to be out of my control or that I'm... Do you know what? I think ultimately it comes down to I hate wasting... I would hate to waste people's time Mm. because that's the feeling I get when somebody, for example, knocks on my door or picks up their phone and phones me up and then has something completely banal to say to me that's really not well thought through and is something that I'm not interested in, you know, double glazing, sales, windows and all of that. It's just random Um, Um, and I feel quite cross about the fact that I was working on something. You've put me out of mind of it now and I've got to go (laughs) back and pick up those pieces. Ah, And I don't want to do that to people. I really don't. (laughs) But you know
1: what? That's the big fear, I think, wasting people's time. But if you just look at People waste time all the time they pass the 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 time of day with people all day long if they mm. can you know yeah. Yeah, right. um, uh, it's right. a, it's our hang up that one
0: yeah um regrettably guys, as you both know, I have to put a stop to this because I have to go somewhere very soon, so unless you've got anything amazingly ap- amazingly apocryphal, no the opposite of apocryphal, amazingly incisive to say uh, I'm going to shut this down anything incisive to say guys?
1: me jim have got another two hours left in
0: us (laughs) you can carry on when i've gone um this is one of those moments where i thought you were david going to exercise your pregnant paws without feeling (laughs) uncomfortable but no um jim where can we find you on tinterwebs
2: uh you can find me at jimgaliano.com. that's g-a-l-i-a-n-o
0: perfect and we know where to find david and me because we we never go anywhere different so <laughs> so we're there hey, it was great talking to you guys
2: today. yeah thank
0: you uh, jim for coming on uh, if you've been a long time listening to the podcast you'll know that we've in, we're endeavoring to do a mixture now of pure interview episodes and then discussion episodes of which this has been a discussion episode and it only remains for me to say thank you for listening go to wpbuilds.com uh, click on all the buttons, share it. iTunes is most appreciated because uh, apparently that's the way to uh, boost your ratings and get it listened to by by more people. And uh, thank you for those that have done that. And I will fade in some cheesy music. We'll be back next week for another action-packed <laughs> episode <laughs> of the WP Builds Podcast. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.